Letter six of the Sylph. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Sylph by Georgiana Cavendish, Duchess of Devonshire. Letter six to James Spencer, Esquire. It is high time, my dear Spencer, to account to you for the whimsical journey, as you called it, which your friend undertook so suddenly. I meant not to keep that, or even my motives for it, a secret from you. The esteem you have ever shown me merited my most unlimited confidence. You said you thought I must have some other view than merely to visit the ruins of a paternal estate, lost to me by the extravagant folly of my poor father. You said true. I had indeed some other view, but, alas, how blasted is that view! Long had my heart cherished the fondest attachment for the loveliest and best of human beings who inhabited the mountains which once my father owned. My fortune was too circumscribed to disclose my flame, but I secretly indulged it from the remote hope of having it one day in my power to receive her hand without blushing at my inferiority and point of wealth. These thoughts, these wishes, have supported me through an absence of two years from my native land, and all that made my native land dear to me. Her loved idea heightened every joy I received, and softened every care. I knew I possessed her esteem, but I never, from the first of my acquaintance, gave the least hint of what I felt for her, or hoped from her. I should have thought myself base in the highest degree to have made an interest in her bosom, which I had nothing to sport on my side but the sanguine wishes of youth that some turn of fortune's wheel might be in my favor. You know how amply as well as unexpectedly I am now provided for by our dear Frederick's death. How severely have I felt and mourned his loss! But he is happier than any situation which our friendship for him could have found i could run any lengths in praising one so dear to me but he was equally so to you and you were fully acquainted with my sentiments on this head besides i have something more to the purpose at present to communicate to you all the satisfaction i ever expected from the acquisition of fortune was to share it with my love nothing but that hope and prospect could have enabled me to sustain the death of my friend in the bosom of my julia i fondly hoped to experience those calm delights which his loss deprived me of for some time alas that long-indulged hope is sunk in despair oh my spencer she's lost lost to me forever yet what right had i to think she would not be seen and being seen admired loved and courted but from the singularity of her father's disposition who had vowed never to mix in the world, a disappointment of the tenderest kind which her elder sister had met with, and the almost monastic seclusion from society in which she lived, joined to her extreme youth, being but seventeen the day I left you in London. All these circumstances, I say, concurred once to authorize my fond hopes, and these hopes have nursed my despair. Oh, i knew not how much i loved her till i saw her snatched from me forever a few months sooner and i might have pleaded some merit with a lovely maid from my long and unremitted attachment my passion was interwoven with my existence 
with that it grew and with that only will expire my dear loved julia from my youth began the tender flame and ripened in the man my dear loved julia to my latest age no other vow shall e'er my heart engage full of the fond ideas which seemed a part of myself i flew down to woodley vale to reap the long-expected harvest of my hopes good god what was the fatal news i learnt on my arrival alas she knew not of my love and constancy she had a few weeks before given her hand and no doubt her heart to sir william stanley with whom an accident had brought her acquainted i will not enlarge upon what were my feelings on this occasion words would be too faint a vehicle to express the anguish of my soul you who know the tenderness of my disposition must judge for me yesterday i saw the dear angel from the inn from whence i am writing she and her happy husband stopped here for fresh horses i had a full view of her beauteous face ah how much has two years improved each charm in her lovely person lovely and charming but not for me i kept myself concealed from her i could hardly support the sight of her at a distance my emotions were more violent than you can conceive her dress became her the best in the world a riding habit of stone-coloured cloth lined with rose colour and frogs of the same the collar of her shirt was open at the neck and discovered her lovely ivory throat her hair was in a little disorder which with her hat served to contribute to and heighten the almost irresistible charms of her features there was a pensiveness in her manner which rendered her figure more interesting and touching than usual i thought i had discovered the traces of a tear on her cheek she had just parted with her father and sister and had she shown less concern i should not have been so satisfied with her i gazed till my eyeballs ached but when the chaise drove from the door oh what then became of me she's gone she's gone i exclaimed aloud wringing my hands and never knew how much i loved her i was almost in a state of madness for some hours at last my storm of grief and despair a little subsided and i by degrees became calm and more resigned to my ill fate i took the resolution which i shall put in execution as soon as possible to leave england i will retire to the remaining part of my frederick's family and in their friendship seek to forget the pangs which an habitual tenderness has brought upon me you who are at ease may have it in your power to convey some small satisfaction to my wounded breast but why do i say small satisfaction to me it will be the highest to hear that my julia is happy do you then my dear spencer inquire among your acquaintance the character of this sir william stanley his figure is genteel nay rather handsome yet he does not look the man i could wish for her i did not discover that look of tenderness that soft and passion glance which virtuous love excites but you will not expect a favourable picture from a rival's pen i mentioned a disappointment which the sister of my julia had sustained it was just before i left england while on a visit at abergenenny she became acquainted with a young gentleman of fortune who after taking some pains to render himself agreeable had the satisfaction of gaining the affections of one of the most amiable girls in the world she is all that a woman can be except being my julia louisa was at that time extremely attached to a lady in the same house with her who was 
by no means a favorite with her lover they used frequently to have little arguments concerning her he would not allow her any merit louisa fancied she saw her own image reflected in the bosom of her friend she is warm in her attachments her zeal for her friend at last awakened a curiosity in her lover to view her with more scrutiny he had been accustomed to pay an implicit obedience to louisa's opinion he fancied he was still acquiescing only in that opinion when he began to discover she was handsome and to find some farther beauties which louisa had not painted in so favourable a light as he now saw them in short what at first was only a compliment to his mistress now seemed the due of the other he thought louisa had hardly done her justice and in seeking to repair that fault he injured the woman who doted on him love which in some cases is blind is in others extremely quick-sighted louisa saw a change in his behaviour a studied civility an apprehension of not appearing sufficiently assiduous frequent expressions of fearing to offend in all those mean arts and subterfuges which a man uses who wants to put in a woman's power to break with him that he may basely shelter himself behind what he styles her cruelty wounded to the soul with the duplicity of his conduct she one day insisted on knowing the motives which induced him to act in so disingenuous a manner by her at first his answers were evasive but she peremptorily urged an explicit satisfaction she told him the most unfavourable certainty would be happiness to what she now felt and that certainty she now called on him in justice to grant her he then began by palliating the fatal inconstancy of his affections by the encomiums which she had bestowed on her friend that his love for her had induced him to love those dear to her and some unhappy circumstances had arisen which had bound him to her friend beyond his power or inclination to break through this disappointment in so early a part of louisa's life has given a tenderness to her whole frame which is of advantage to most women and her in particular she has i question not long since beheld this unworthy wretch in the light he truly deserved yet no doubt it was not till she had suffered many pangs the heart will not recover its usual tone in a short time that has long been racked with the agonies of love and even when we fancy ourselves quite recovered there is an aching void which still reminds us of former anguish i shall not be in town these ten days at least as i find i can be serviceable to a poor man in this neighbourhood whom i believe to be an object worthy attention write me therefore what intelligence you can obtain and scruple not to communicate the result of your inquiry to me speedily her happiness is the wish next to my heart oh may it be as exalted and as permanent as i wish it i will not say anything to you you well know how dear you are to the bosom of your henry woodley End of letter six.